freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. The only way they can inherit the freedom we have known is if we fight for it, protect it, defend it, and then hand it to them with the well-taught lessons of how they in their lifetime must do the same. And if you and I don't do this, then you and I may well spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it once was like in America when men were free. Welcome to episode number 394 of Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are brought to you by azfirearmsauctions.com, where you set the price on guns, ammo, and accessories. I am one of your hosts, Cheryl Todd. And I'm the other guy, Dan Todd. Our theme today is stopping active killer events, and our guest is Ed Monk. Ed is the owner of Last Resort Firearms Training. With experience as a law enforcement officer, school teacher, firearms trainer, and army officer, Ed has researched and provided training on active killer threats for over 14 years. He has trained school resource officers and other law enforcement officers, armed staff of public schools, and church security teams on countering the active killer. Well, welcome to the show, Ed. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So I started, you know, hearing your name quite a while back. We have so many uh, friends in common, mutual acquaintances, and we were just all recently in uh, Texas for the Second Amendment Foundation's Gun Rights Policy Conference. And uh, I heard your name spoken in my general area and I was like, okay, everybody stop what you're doing. Who is Ed Monk and let me meet you. So, <laughs> so thank you for, uh, you know, absorbing that creepiness from me that I was so uh, excited to meet you, but uh, I really was, I, I hear really wonderful things. Well, thank you. And I was excited to meet y'all too. I saw your Facebook post on the plane. So I knew you were heading to the same conference I was heading to. So glad we got to meet. Me too. And uh, just even the name of your uh, company, Last Resort Firearms Training. I think that speaks so much to um, to the mindset that we know as Second Amendment advocates and uh, proponents of self defense um, to be true. Right? You 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 never want to have to use a firearm in any kind of an emergency incident. But the other side always thinks that that's the first thing we jump to. Um, so I'm, I'm curious about the name of your, your business, um, and, and how that came to be. Well, exactly right. When we were looking, me and my brother, we're just, it's just me and my brother that do this. We're a small operation. When we were looking for a name, that's exactly why we named it. This is the last resort to stay alive. It's the last resort before the morgue or the ICU. Um, and, and it means if you use the last resort, all other measures have failed, but, you know, the saying is sometimes you go to the circus and sometimes the circus comes to you. You know, one of Thornham's things, don't go to stupid places. Mm-hmm. Don't go to, don't hang out with stupid people. But sometimes those people will come to you regardless of the precautions and the awareness and the training and everything else you do. Sometimes they come to you and so you have to use the last resort so you don't go to the ICU or the morgue. 
Boy, that's, that's so well said. And I think that we probably on, on our side of, of this debate about, you know, should people even have guns, right? And what do we use guns for? Um, I think we, we could articulate that actually more often than we do. And the fact that you put that forefront as the name of your business, I just really, uh, I value that. I think that's important um, for people to know. So, you know, when you talk about that circus, that it feels to me like it's ramping up and there's a circus in every city across this nation, it seems right now, um, when we're talking about, you know, people acting um, squirrely and aggressive and like clouds. (laughs) Yeah, like bad clowns. What are some of the other steps we can go through? I mean, you said avoiding bad areas, but sometimes, like you said, we don't know where there's a bad area. There was a gentleman in a mall in Indiana, I believe, just enjoying a day at the mall, like millions of people do every single day. And an evil person came in with evil intent. Uh, thankfully, this person was prepared and trained to use his last resort. But what are some of those other uh, precursors that we can use? Well, the, the biggest thing is just awareness. Um, awareness can help you avoid if you see something that may turn deadly or make it worse. And even if you can't avoid it, awareness should give you a couple of seconds or maybe more advanced notice, which gives you an tactical advantage. But like I said, especially with the active shooter threat, I mean, the law in every state requires you to send your kids to school. So, you know, you're not sending your kid to a questionable, dangerous place, a criminal place. You're sending them where actually the law requires you to. And that's where they show up. We, we, we all have to go buy stuff. We all have to go to Walmart. We all have to go to malls. We have to go to hospitals and in our place of business where we earn a living. And that these, among other places, are where active shooters show up. So we don't go looking for active shooters. They, they intentionally come looking for us. They pick the time and the place. And yeah. it's, it's up to us to be mentally and physically prepared and trained to to enact with whatever comes our way, I suppose, uh, is the best way to say it. Um, and so when you uh, have talked about, you know, this active shooter threat, this active killer threat. So since I work in the world of words, I, I kind of shy away from the active shooter phrase. And I, I sort of lean into the active killer because I, I feel like for the other side that wants to paint everyone who goes out to the shooting range to practice, right, as shooters, um, I, I kind of want to, to segregate and, and help really describe what a person is doing in those um, scenarios. Like the good guy might be the active shooter and the bad guy is the active killer. Do you have any thoughts or opinions about, you know, my, my own personal, uh, you know, kind of war with words there. It, it doesn't really make that big of a difference to me. I continue to use active shooter because I think it's the most broadly understood one, the most broadly recognized one. So when I go across the country speaking to audiences or advertising about what I'm going to talk about, I think that gets the most notoriety. I know a lot of people want to go with active killer because sometimes they use vehicles, sometimes they use knives. They don't always use guns. And there's two or three other names out there, uh, um, public place, mass shooter, rapid mass murder. There's 
several different names out there. It really doesn't matter to me. I've, I've spoken at conferences where I've been asked to change it to active killer. I don't have a problem with that. Um, so I, I'm just more worried about getting the lessons learned across and try to get people to change their policies and plans and preparations than what words we call it. Absolutely. I respect that. So I totally understand uh, that your purpose is, you know, you just want to teach people how to be uh, safer, more aware, uh, and and how to help them keep other people safe. You know, you mentioned, you know, going into schools and teaching people how to, you know, keep the children in schools safer and that sort of thing. But you've also said that the U United States as a general rule has been failing at the way that we respond to these active killers for the past 30 years. Can you drill into that and, and help me um, understand yeah. what, what you mean by that? Actually, it's, it's closer to 40 years or over. It's, it's sadly obvious if you just simply look at our past, if, if you just take a subset of school shootings. In 1989, a shooter went to an elementary school in Stockton and shot 35 people, 35 people on the playground before he just decided to stop. He shot himself. He stopped himself. He could have shot 40 or more if, if he'd have wanted to, but he didn't. So we should have known before then, but even if we didn't, now we know 1989, we have this problem. It's not going to go away. So let's do something so that that number is not as high because I can't find anybody that's happy with 35 people being shot. So we had 10 years to work on that. 10 years, a long time. And then we have Columbine. In 1999, 10 years after Stockton, and two kids went in their high school and shot 34, almost the exact same number. And the, the only reason they didn't shoot over 100 was because two things. One, they just weren't that aggressive. And two, they decided after they had shot 34 to shoot themselves. Cops didn't get even to their bodies for hours later. They were in a school with over 2,000 kids. So we had 10 years to, to make some changes. We didn't make it. And so now we had Columbine. Well, now we have 19 years to fix it. And what happened? We had Parkland, where a, a expelled student walked back into his high school and shot 34, the same number as Columbine. And the only reason he didn't shoot 40 or 50 or more was because, again, he just decided to quit, dropped his rifle, had plenty of ammo left, dropped his gun, left the building, left campus, was caught later. We're, we're still not changing anything. And then here this year, we had Uvalde, where I think the number is at 38 people shot. And why did we have so many people shot at Uvalde? Because they had the same plan that Parkland had. And why was so many shot at Parkland? Because they had the same plan that Columbine had. And why was Columbine so bad? Because they had the same plan as Stockton. Despite the utter failure of high victim counts, most schools across the country are keeping the same plan that Stockton had. And we're not making any significant changes. If you throw in Sandy Hook and Santa Fe, two other high victim count schools during that time frame, we look back, why aren't we changing? In businesses, San Ysidro McDonald's in 1984 had 40 people shot. 40 people shot. We let that go on for 80 minutes um, before police finally intervened. And Luby's and Colleen, we had 43 in 1991. The Pulse nightclub in Orlando we had 102 in 2016 in El Paso, Walmart. In 2019, we had 46. So we keep getting these double and sometimes triple, but usually double-digit victim counts over these decades because we keep doing the same thing. It's like a doctor who keeps treating his patient with leeches and they keep dying. 
And every time there's a new patient, his only thought is, well, let's, let's try leeches. And despite it getting bad results. Yeah. Um, I, I consider a victim count, double digit victim count failure. I, 20 or more is, is a gross failure. And while we keep doing what has proven to be a failure is, I, I kind of understand it, but I kind of don't. We keep seeing that what we're doing is wrong. It's kind of like uh, Henry Ford's paraphrase, if you keep doing what you've always done, you're going to keep getting what you've always got. Mm -hmm. And if you go to any school superintendent today and ask him, explain to me how your active shooter response plan for your school is significantly different than Parkland or Uvalde. Mm-hmm. significantly though. not mm-hmm. we use a different brand of door lock or you know significantly and it's not um and I, I this i've worked with a lot of schools since uvalde i had one principal tell me yeah but we've been doing this lockdown drill we've had that as our plan here for over 20 years and it, it's worked just fine it hasn't caused any problems well that's because the shooter hasn't shown up yet you know mm-hmm. not wearing your seatbelt will work fine on almost every day yeah. On every day until the drunk driver swerves into you, and then it's a catastrophe. You have mm-hmm. to wear your seatbelt all the time because the drunk driver won't let you know ahead of time. You have to have, what I find with schools is they, they have a great plan for all the days the active shooter doesn't show up. They have a plan that's easy to type and that's easy to drill, mm-hmm. and that's what they want. It's non-controversial. It doesn't take up a lot of time. It's easy to type. It's easy to drill. It works great until the active shooter shows up. Right. Well, Ed, so you know, I, I, I know that you've got a lot of things that you do that will help prevent this, like making teachers aware of what your surroundings are, the the people that come in the building, that watch the people that come in the building, they're trained to, to look for things and just making the teachers aware. But as long as we have a system that doesn't allow responsibly armed people to to be in places like this, we're going to have that problem because look where we do have responsibly armed people, how many times we have stopped or slowed down this kind of activity. Yeah. When I go in, especially with schools, they'll say, well, you're pushing guns. Well, not really. What I'm pushing is a low victim count. That's the overall goal of why I do what I do. I want a low victim count. My goal is always, and the goal I recommend to every organization, is single digit victim count, zero to nine, and it's attainable. Why is it my goal zero? Because it's not attainable. Zero is hope, mm-hmm. uh, and, and I'm, I'm, all, I'm all about hope. I like hope, but we gotta get beyond hope. I hope a drunk driver doesn't smack into me, but I'm gonna wear my seatbelt because sometimes hope fails. So it's, it's real simple math. If you want single digit victim count, which is attainable, you have to stop the attack in the first 30 seconds. Because you have to stop it in the first 30 seconds, that means you cannot rely on anybody who is not currently there to stop it because they will take longer than 30 seconds to get there. So the victims have to stop it, not call somebody else to come stop it. The victims have to stop it. Mm-hmm. Now, you can stop it with a gun. You can stop it without a gun. Mm-hmm. So when I, I know most schools, probably 99% plus schools in this country are not going to have armed staff. I don't agree with it, but that's the way it is right now. Mm-hmm. So you can successfully stop an active shooter without a gun. So when I go talk to schools, I, I show them several cases of where staff and students without guns have acted aggressively against an active shooter and stopped them. Because what I want is an immediate counterattack. 
-hmm. whether that's the student or the staff or a mixture of both. I don't care. I want an immediate counterattack because mathematically it's the only thing that will give us single digit victims. Again, you can do that with a gun or without a gun. With mm -hmm. a gun is a lot easier and it's a lot more successful. So I, mm -hmm. I can also show you several examples of active shooter attacks where very brave unarmed people tried to stop the active shooter yeah. while being unarmed and it didn't work because the yeah. gun is just a superior weapon. So I show them a slide with four ways to cut grass. You can cut grass using scissors. I have seen it done. You can you can cut a lawn, cut grass using scissors. You can cut it with a mechanical rotary mower that they used back in the 20s and 30s. I've mm -hmm. done it. You can cut grass with a, a motor, a mechanized gas push mower, and you can cut grass with a zero turn riding lawnmower. All of those will cut the grass, mm -hmm. but some of those tools are more efficient than others. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah, you can stop. You got. We got to stop the active shooter. That goes without saying. That's mathematic. So you can do it with a gun, or you can do it without a gun. With a gun has a much higher success rate, and it's much easier because it can be used at a distance where hand to hand cannot. Armed citizens have never shot the wrong person while stopping an active shooter. Cops have several times. Cops have shot and killed each other twice by yeah. accident responding to an active shooter. Armed citizens have never shot the wrong person. So armed citizens actually have a better safety record mm -hmm. when using a gun to stop an active shooter. Armed citizens also were more successful in stopping an active shooter early than mm -hmm. our law enforcement officers. Mm -hmm. Is that because armed citizens are better? No, it's because armed citizens are there. You know, active shooters are just a subset of violent criminals and violent criminals tend to go out of their way to not start their violent crimes right in front of a uniformed police officer. Right. So that's why I'm, usually if it's stopped early, it's stopped by an armed citizen because there's going to be a long delay before the first cop gets there. So mm -hmm. do we need to call 911? Absolutely, but not to stop the active shooter. Mm -hmm. We want to call 911 so that the ambulance the ambulances start heading our way because after we stop the active shooter with our own counterattack, we're going to start treating and prioritizing and prepping the victims to be transported by ambulance. And there's a whole lot of stuff for the cops to do once they get here. This whole building has to be cleared. There's crime scene. There's all, we want a lot of cops heading this way, but we want it stopped several minutes before the first ambulance or the first cops arrive, because that's the only way we're going to get a low victim count. Right. And yeah, I've seen it's where. It's all about time and math. I've seen where um, they tell the students and the teachers to run and hide, whereas your mindset is that the teachers need to get out there and defend and stop versus because we've seen where teachers have cuddled with people, with students and died trying to protect the students versus having a plan, using a plan to, to yeah. be, right. you know, a counter attack, yeah. counter aggressive uh, uh, presence. Um, yeah. and yeah, and we always hold up as heroes, those people who will, you know, stand up for their students and their fellow man and say, you know, they're trying to stop it. Why don't we give them the tools that are necessary, um, and proven to be more effective than just absorbing bullets into your body? I mean, if you're that committed and that brave what why would we allow them to just 
have nothing but their their physical bodies between them and and the bad the the students and the bad guy. I just don't understand it, Ed. Yep. Um, Columbine was 1999, and the teacher in the library. It, it's recorded. You can find it on YouTube. Where she's screaming into the 911 call as she's talking to 911. She's screaming at the kids to get under the tables, stay under the tables. So in 1999, we had a teacher telling kids, knowing there's an active shooter in the building, to get under tables, which probably makes the shooter's job almost as easy as you can possibly make. Right. And so what did we have in Uvalde in classroom 111? The teacher told the kids to get under the table. So from 1999 to this year, we have teachers doing something that not only doesn't help, it actually hurt. It helps the active shooter, but it hurts our victim count. So right. the federal government for decades, as far as I can remember, their mantra, and of course all schools or government entities, they'll take it up, is run, hide, fight. Right. And the last time I looked on the government webpage, it said run, hide, fight, fight only as a last resort. If someone's coming into where we are trying to shoot every one of us, why would fighting him and stopping him be the last thing we do, the last option? Why wouldn't that be the first option? Because that will stop him the quickest and keep his victim count the lowest. So I know everybody is not going to fight. Everybody's not mentally or physically capable of fighting, but we don't need everybody to fight. We need one or a small number. Mm -hmm. So yeah, well, I, when I teach it, I, it's fight, flee, barricade. That's the way I teach it. Fight, flee, barricade. Fight is first. Why? Because fight is best for humanity. It may not be best for you or you or that person over there, but it's the best for humanity. Mm -hmm. If someone comes in here trying to shoot us all, the best thing for humanity, which means what keeps the victim count lowest, is if somebody or a group of somebody's viciously, ruthlessly, and immediately attacks him and stops. If for those who cannot fight or will not fight, then flee mm -hmm. like a baby rabbit. Every, you know, the, the children in the classroom of Sandy Hook, after the teachers had been shot, who ran out of the classroom completely on their own, they had mm -hmm. no supervision, they all lived. Yes. We, we instinctively know to run away from someone trying to kill us if we're not going to fight it. If you're not going to fight evil, then get as far away from evil as, as quickly as you can. And barricade for almost everybody is not a choice. Barricade is, is what you're left with if you don't have a choice. If you can't or won't fight or you can't or won't flee, then barricade. And that doesn't mean lock the door and then get under the table or get in the corner and pray. It means put everything you can in front of the door, lock it if it's lockable, do everything you can to immobilize or slow down that door. And then you know mm -hmm. If he tries to push his way, physically break through that barrier and get in that room, that is the most vulnerable he will ever be. It mm -hmm. takes away almost all of the advantages of his gun. Yes. So teach people right there is probably the best what place to fight him. If he tries to push his way through a barricaded door while holding a gun, have a welcoming party for him and break every piece of his body you can break when he comes through there. Um, so that means you got to, everybody has to be ready to fight because that may not be your first, your personal first choice, but the enemy gets a vote. So you may try to run and run right into the shooter. You may try to barricade or that's the only option you have, but he, he's determined to come into your room. Mm -hmm. So we have to, we were brought up not thinking this, and especially mm -hmm. in schools where even if you are completely attacked and you're completely innocent, if you fight back, a lot of times you get punished for it. We have to teach them that on this day, we're mm -hmm. going to allow things that we normally don't allow. 
On other days, if you run off campus without permission, you're going to get in trouble for that. But on, because this day is so unique and so right. special, run. If running saves lives, then run. On any other day, if you break a window without any reason, you're going to get in trouble for that. But on this day, if you break as many windows as you want, if it helps you or other people live. And on any other day, if you're violent for no reason, of course, you're going to get in trouble. But on this day, if violence saves any innocent life, then not only be you don't only have permission, but we're going to encourage it. And we're actually going to teach you ways to do that. And here, a great thing is we need to teach people what reloads and malfunctions look like. Mm -hmm. um, when I, when I talk to schools and I say, I, I would like to bring a couple of guns into the schools to demonstrate, I usually get initial resistance. No, 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 we're not going to teach them how to shoot the gun. What we're going to do is we're going to teach your staff, and some of which probably have no experience with guns, we're going to teach them what reloads and malfunctions look like. Because reloads and malfunctions represent a window of opportunity. Mm -hmm. And since most active shooters are not well-trained, that's a big window of opportunity. It's normally mm -hmm. multiple seconds. And the way I explain it to teachers that causes the light bulb to come on, every teacher knows the horrible, horrible experience of having to deal with a jammed up stapler where they have to <laughs> physically pry that stapler open, flick out all the bent up staples, put in new staples, close it. And, that, and that's exactly what I explained to him. That, that is what is happening in this gun mm -hmm. when he's experiencing a malfunction. And you know that takes time and it takes your focus away from what you wanted to do to the tool. And those number of seconds, and that's exactly what happened in Sandy Hook. A six-year-old kid, according to his mother, who I've heard in two conferences, a six-year-old child in the first classroom he went into after he shot the two teachers and six kids, he ran out of ammo, so he had to do a reload. And the mother of that child said, we're not gun people, we don't have guns, but we have been shooting a couple of times with friends and family. And with that just little exposure for a six-year-old child, he knew what a reload was. He knew the gun couldn't shoot for a, a matter of time. And that's when he chose to get up and run and the other kids ran out with him. Oh, wow. And then in uh, Seattle Pacific that. University, the guy had shot people outside, came in and shot and did a reload. And that's when an unarmed senior at the college ran and tackled him and attacked a window of opportunity. If I'm unarmed, and I determine I have to attack a guy with a gun, what a better time than when his gun won't work. That is the mm -hmm. best time to attack someone with a gun. So it's just simply teaching them what that looks like so they can either flee or fight because they're going to have that window. And that, that little bit of knowledge, uh, I think, is extremely important for schools, businesses, for everybody to know. Right. That is, I mean, right there, what you just said, it has light bulbs going off in my mind because I'll be, we'll be watching a movie and Hollywood is Hollywood, right? But there will always be that moment where the guy is, you know, the bad guy or bad woman, whatever, is either working on doing a reload or a Wait a minute, they don't have reloads in Hollywood. Yeah, well, that's true on the rare occasion, right? And I'm thinking, you know, there's 10 people in this room, rush him, throw something, do something, run out. And it never in a million years crossed my mind that people that have no familiarity with guns, they wouldn't even understand you know, sort of the length of time that he's going to be distracted or it never occurred to me, Ed, that that's brilliant that you have just said that. And I love the stapler, uh, you know, as a, a real life thing that we've all dealt with. 
Oh, some um, teachers are still in therapy over dealing with a stapler that's all jammed up. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So we have to, by showing them the math and showing them, yeah, if you call 911, I promise you the cops will come here and this attack will eventually stop. But look at the numbers in history when we relied on 911 to bring the result, mm. to bring the solution here. It's, mm -hmm. it's double and triple digits. So if you don't want double and triple digits, you, you people here, people in this business, people in this school, people in this church, mm -hmm. you are going to have to stop this if you want a low victim count. And most mm -hmm. active shooters, are they dangerous? Oh, my God, they're dangerous. Mm -hmm. They're evil people with guns willing to shoot people they don't know. But they're not Navy SEALs. Mm -hmm. They're not ninjas. They're not John Wick. They're, they're normally just punks that barely know how to make dad's gun go bang. And mm -hmm. they have a lot of malfunctions that either slow them way down or mm -hmm. they, they, they have to stop because they only brought one gun or this is the last gun they were using and it malfunctions and they don't know how to get it fixed. Mm -hmm. So we're not dealing with super uh, gun skilled people. So they will have more malfunctions than usual and they'll take them longer to fix it. The reloads take much longer. Mm -hmm. Us gun people tend to forget this. If we go to matches and gun classes where we're seeing and we're doing gun reloads in a second or less, that, that's not the normal punk active shooter. Mm -hmm. um, so these windows of opportunity are, are, are much greater and we just need to learn that. Plus, if you're, if you're re, uh, reloading or you have a malfunction and somebody's charging you, mm -hmm. it's going to be even harder for you to do it because you're going to yep. be watching him yep. and doing that same time. So yep. it is a perfect time. Well, and we know that they take the path of least resistance because where are they taking their violence to schools with little tiny children that couldn't possibly be able to meet their force with force. So we know if we've barricaded and it's hard to get in this room, they're going to move on. We know if we're creating a ruckus and a fuss and throwing things that, that it is going to impact them in a way that they didn't plan for, I guess. You know, because if they thought they were going to meet with resistance, I don't think they would be in these places where they're doing that. Do you agree or or disagree with that? No. Um, over the past 30 or so years, the, um, the vast majority of the time they have attacked in places where it's not legal for anybody to have a gun and fight back. But if you if you look at the last five years of the last 30 years, they there has been an increase in where they have attacked in places where people legally could have fought back. I mean, it's still not the majority, but there has been an increase. Up until five or six years ago, if they attacked in a public place where people could have had, had a gun, it was actually, wow, I got to make note of that because that's a rare exception. Not quite as rare now. And sometimes we make them pay the price for that, like the Indiana Mall or Jack Wilson in the White Settlement Church, but sometimes we don't, uh, like the El Paso Walmart. The schools, to me, seem to be churches. I'm seeing some success in churches, and I think because we have less legal and political hurdles to jump through in churches. Yes. But in schools, again, the lockdown, and that's still what the government is pushing. If you, I bet, if you go into 95 plus percent of public schools, the the center gravity of their active shooter response will be the lockdown. Yeah. Well, other places, but Parkland showed us what the lockdown is. Um. He, he the, the shooter went into the Parkland building um, and he shot 24 people on the first floor. 18 of those 24 were inside of their locked classroom behind a locked classroom door. He simply shot through the door. 
Mm. And 18 of his victims on the first floor were shot through the doors. And then if you look at high schools, which high schools are over half of all school shootings. Mm. High schools are more in the middle school and elementaries combined. The, the most likely place for a shooting to start in a high school is a cafeteria, either before school or during lunch. So when I go into high schools and they say, well, let me, let me explain to you about our lockdown. And I say, well, how does the lockdown drill work in the cafeteria? Well, it doesn't. It's really made for the classroom. Well, but most of your shootings are most likely that she'll show me how the, the center of gravity, the main point of your response plan works in the cafeteria. Well, well, it doesn't, but it's easy to type and it's easy to practice. So that's what we've got in our three ring binder. All right, well, let, show me how it works in the hallways and these classrooms. Well, they get behind these doors and they lock them. Well, isn't that what they did at Parkland? And what happened? He shot through the doors um, mm -hmm. and shot 18 people. So are, would you would you be okay with 18 people being shot? And No. Well, then why are you having a plan that got that at Parkland? Right. Um, it's, it's just maddening. If the doors aren't bulletproof and the walls aren't bulletproof, then lockdown drills are, are a simple illusion of security. Um, all, he, all he has to do is shoot through them. Shooting through doors happened at Sandy Hook. It happened at Santa Fe. It happened at Columbine. So we, we just think if we get behind a door, then we'll be okay. Um, it's Again, it's the illusion of security. After Uvalde this summer, I worked with a school, and the principal showed me these new, fancy, expensive locks that had put on all the exterior doors. They can only be opened with fobs, and they you know, they'd been tested and you could shoot them with a bazooka with a nuclear tipped round and you could not defeat these locks. But the locks were on the exterior doors that had glass panels above and below it. And I said, you, you just, you don't think he would shoot through that glass. And the principal just kind of blinked at me like, well, that, I mean, she didn't say it, but it was all, well, that would be breaking the rules. That wouldn't be fair if he just shot through the glass. Well, that's exactly what Sandy Hook did. He, yeah. They locked the doors. They were locked. But he just shot through the glass and walked right in. And, uh, Townville in South Carolina, that was the shooter's plan. He knew the school was locked. He was going to shoot through a second grade classroom window, go in there, kill everybody, get the teacher's pass key, and then go throughout the school. So my say is that they're planning for the Geico lizard, but it's a Tyrannosaurus Rex that's going to show up. They have to start wargaming their plan against an evil, creative, motivated, thinking enemy. Not someone who's going to walk up, rattle the doorknob and go, oh, darn, it's locked and turn around and walk away. Well, these are the same people, I assume, that think that if they put up a piece of paper that has a symbol of a gun with an X through it, you know, saying no guns allowed here, that's all right. We've done our part, right? We've we've held, uh, put up the no gun sign and we're going to call 911 and this is our grand plan and we are safe. Yes. High five, everybody go home. Good work. And it, it is so much breaking that mindset that, you know, to people that study this, we, we see the obvious ways that they're going to go over around under or through our plans, the bad guys. Um, but I guess if you, you really just haven't encountered that mindset, do we hold them fully responsible for, for not looking for the answers? How, how do we break that? How do we break through that, Ed? I, I don't know. Yeah, but I think you said something. We have to start holding the schools. If, and again, that's a subset of active shooters because they attack other places. But mm -hmm. we, we got to focus on schools because that's a big target and the, the, the law forces us 
to send our kids there. So it's not like, well, I, I just won't go to the mall. I just won't. You can't you can't not send your kids to school. I know you can homeschool. So don't get people upset over that. Um, but we got to start holding the schools responsible. And that's that's we're really not doing that. So let's take Uvalde, for example. Mm -hmm. In most of these shootings, we learned the wrong lesson. And Uvalde is a perfect example. So most people look at Uvalde and say, well, but he walked right into that school. Had they locked their doors? What if they, and, and he did, the, the, the exterior door wasn't locked. What if it was locked? Right. The alert uh, AAR said that that exterior door had a, a glass pane on the bottom and a glass pane on top. They were not ballistic. He could have shot his way in just the way Sandy. So had the door been locked, it might've delayed him 10 seconds. Mm -hmm. So we just still had a high victim. count. So right. the solution to this is not down at Lowe's or Home Depot about right. buying locks. Right. And I'm not saying don't lock your doors, but I'm, that's not the solution. Right. So he got in the building. Well, then he just walked right into that classroom because the classroom door wasn't locked. They should have locked the classroom door. That's what we should learn from this. Well, but what did he do before he walked in? there? He shot through the wall from the hallway mm. because the walls were just drywall. Mm -hmm. So just like Parkland, he shot through the doors. This guy shot through the drywall and then he entered. Mm. So what if that door was locked? He could have just kept shooting through the drywall and shot everybody in the classroom. But we want a magic pill. We want a simple answer. Oh, well, if they had just locked, see, we lock our locks, so we're safe. You've only got a high victim count because they didn't lock their doors. Mm -hmm. Now, had they locked them because evil came there wanting to kill people, they'd have still been covered. And then the big one's the police. Oh, my goodness. Horrible police response. And, yep, we can criticize that all we want. But it, if Clint Eastwood and John Wick and Chuck Norris would have shown up, when the Uvalde police showed up, we just still had a high number. Mm -hmm. Why? Because of math and time, which is what this is all about. Cops entered there at the, at the two minute, 50 second mark after the shooter had entered the building. So he was in that building for two minutes and 50 seconds unopposed before cops even entered the building. Wow. He had shot, I think, he had shot about 90% of his rounds before the cops entered. And then he shot a few more. So yeah, had the cops immediately entered the room, once they got in the building, they, they instead of 38, it might've been 35, it might've been 32, but it was still gonna be in the 30s. Mm -hmm. But we like to look at things we can criticize and mm -hmm. say, that's the problem. Had the, cops been, had the cops done the right thing, we wouldn't have had a bunch of shot kids. Yeah, mm -hmm. we would have, mm -hmm. just not quite as much. Because of time and math, that, that school has to be responsible because they had the same plan that Parkland had, the same plan that Columbine had, the same plan that Sandy Hook and Stockton and Santa Fe had, which is, as soon as we figure out there's a problem, we'll get to a phone, we'll call 911, mm -hmm. and we'll let somebody else come deal with it instead of, we're going to stop it. We're so, and I, stop I, I, it have to, I have to well, interrupt. Let me, let me say what? one thing real quick, Bev. Um, and so often... From the training I've taken, which is the the faster saves lives training, is is the bulk of what I've taken in this sort of arena, is there's even this delay because first people are frozen because they can't believe this is happening, and then second of all, people assume somebody else maybe called nine one one or started the process of getting help rather than stepping forward and being the person that says, I don't care if three other people have called 911, I'm also going to call 911. And I've got to bust through that barrier of, well, this doesn't happen here. This is a good neighborhood, or this is, you know, a good school, right. or whatever. 
and, um, you know, not be afraid to overreact in the sense of, you know, starting the process of, of identifying that there's a problem and enacting a plan of some sort. Um, and then, and then I will let you cut in Dan, but what do you say about that? Like, you know, if you're not training, then, then I don't know how you move through that process faster. Yeah, it's, it's that mental math of if your brain has been there before, Dr. William April called it building a, making a parking place in your brain. If your brain yes. has been there before, it can more easily and quickly go there. So by going through the training of this is how horrible this, this active shooter threat is. These are some examples of what happened when he showed up. So this is what it's like. This is what's most likely. Now, here are your options. Fight is the best option for humanity. So here are some techniques to fight, some locations to fight, some timing to fight. And oh, by the way, if you don't have a gun, which 99.9% of school employees don't, then look around your, you a teacher, look around your classroom. What could be used as a weapon? There's a lot of stuff in there. Are there coffee pots? Are there flagpoles? And if there isn't something that could adequately be used, not to hurt, but to cripple, to disable somebody, then bring it in. Bring something in, and that, your brain has already been thinking about this, about how you're going to fight it, um, and incorporate that in. And then what I do is a three-step process when I go to schools. I do the educational presentation. I do, uh, I call it a tabletop, but more often it's, it's, the, it's the floor plan of the school projected up on a screen. And so we start with where it's most likely to happen. So if it's a high school, three minutes before first bail, he stands up in the cafeteria and starts shooting people employees in the cafeteria, what do you do? What, do you, what is your best plan? Classroom immediately outside that cafeteria, what is your best option? Classroom on the second floor on the opposite end of the building. Which, so everybody doesn't do the same thing. And that's why we get another reason we have to get out of this lockdown drill. Where everybody in the building does the same thing regardless of where they are. So that gets people thinking, okay, I get to make this choice based on where I am. Just like if you watch the Uvalde tape in the video inside there's a there's a kid i don't know why he was out in the hall going to the bathroom or something and he sees the shooter go down the hall and start shooting and he runs away he made his own decision on what to do and then we do a walkthrough so we go through all, you know we go into teachers we go into your classroom and we'd say after we've done all this prep work show me your fight options if you determine in this situation you have to fight show me your weapons show me different options that you have and teachers come up with some pretty, you know, when, when it's their rear end and their students on the line, they come up with stuff. Okay, now show me your flea options. Yeah. Okay, well, obviously the easiest is out the door and to the left, the nearest exit. Well, what if the shooting's coming from that way? Mm -hmm. Well, then I'm going to go to the right, go down the stairs. Okay, do you have a window? Is it breakable? Uh, mm -hmm. Now show me what you're going to break it with. If it's, you know, you go through all that thought process beforehand. Mm. Um, well, I, I, I want to... Yeah. I want to make a comment of earlier. You said make the schools responsible and, and, and it rang a bell in my head. Okay. When Sandy hook happened, the, a gun manufacturer was responsible and had basically went bankrupt because they, they felt that the gun, they, they felt the gun was the reasons why the whole works. Anyway, if the schools were held accountable and responsible for students, then they would do more to protect the students. Right. I would hope so, but here's the problem, okay? So I had a 20-year uh, career as an Army officer on tanks. So 
my first job, I was a platoon leader, a lieutenant. I was a tank commander of a tank, and I had three other tanks. So on my tank was me, a sergeant, and two privates. If through my mistake, whether I was lazy, ignorant, or just missed something, if my tank got hit by a mine, artillery, direct fire, I paid the same price as my private loader on my tank. I paid the same price. And that's the that's the way it is in the army because the leaders are up front leading. The problem with schools is the people who direct the policies are the superintendents, the school boards, and the state legislature. They're not getting shot at. The principal and the students and the faculty are getting shot at. So the people that are paying the price are not the people that get to make the decisions. And this comes true a lot when I talk to schools when the whole school is in there and all the people up front as I'm going through the attacks and how bad it is, they're looking back where the superintendent and sometimes the school board are sitting going he's right we are if, if he comes here we are sitting ducks what are you mm. doing mm. well we're doing a run hot fight we're, we, we've got a policy in the book that has worked great for us for the last 20 years because an active shooter hasn't shown up yet. right so the problem is if you make the school responsible you will sue the school nearly out of existence like they're doing in parkland like they would probably do in uvalde but the superintendent will retire or go find another job. Um, and, and nobody personally is making the price. The voters, the people, it, this, this, is, this goes beyond active shooter. This is everybody's problem. Mm -hmm. The voters have to get involved and elect a school board mm -hmm. that will do the best to protect the children, that will look as something as simple as math and say, if, if we have an active, trained, rehearsed resource plan that we, stop it in the first 30 seconds we have a very good chance of a zero to nine victim rate whereas if we dial 911 which is what everybody in the world is doing we're going to have double maybe triple but definitely double digits yeah so well, we have to make this 180 degree shift from passive hunker down do the best we can till the cavalry shows up till no no we are going to stop this mm -hmm. right we are going to stop this until they do that we're going to keep having the high victim Right. Absolutely. Well, we are running out of time. Unfortunately, I could keep talking to you for many more hours about all of this. And you've brought us so many nuggets of knowledge just in this short time. Um, I definitely have to bring you back on uh, again in the future because this, this problem is not going to go away on its own. And if we aren't actively educating people, just like you said. So it's the taxpayers, children, right? And the teachers themselves who are taxpayers who are on that front line. And then if things go wrong and the school gets sued, it's the taxpayers who are paying for it. So, you know, the, that whole uh, sitting in the back of the room analogy that you just gave us uh, with the supervisors and the um district managers and the, um, the school board, uh, people that that's a, a bad, uh, plan. It's a bad scenario. And you're right. We do have to, as individual people step up at the voting box and be more involved and, and run ourselves for school board, right. Yeah. Um, to help make that change from the inside. But Ed, thank you so much. Would you tell folks how they can, uh, take your training, right? Cause you go, everywhere i believe we, we don't have to go to where you are necessarily um but tell folks how they can follow you and get your training 
Yeah, as far as the presentations, uh, educational presentations, I do those all over the country. I've done like 14 states just since Uvalde uh, of this year. And the presentations can be general in nature, the general study of the active shooter, and we'll touch on attacks in all different places. I can focus them just on schools, and that will include recommendations on policies, planning, training for schools. Uh, it can be focused on law enforcement. So I go in and I talk to law enforcement agencies. I just did a sheriff's office in Maine about a month ago, and I look at draw out lessons learned. I show successes and failures uh, of what we can learn to try to get police to do a better job, but understand if we want a low number, cops are, are almost never the, the, uh, the solution if we want low numbers. Right. Uh, I can focus it on churches. I can focus it on businesses. All we need is a venue and an audience and funding, and I'd be just me and a laptop. I'd be happy to talk to you about coming there. Presentations can run anywhere from two to eight hours. I do consulting with businesses and schools and churches I do range training, but the way I do range training, I have three-dimensional mannequin targets, and that's really hard to logistically to move around. So I do that at my place. I do active shooter response classes where that includes live fire on the range with realistic scenarios. Um, do those for church security teams, armed school staff, uh, cops, and just armed citizens. And then I do an active shooter instructor class for instructors that want to include uh, this type of training. In fact, I'm doing one this weekend. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, you can find me. Um, I have a Facebook page, Ed Monk, Last Resort Firearms Training has a Facebook page. And then uh, my email is my name, Ed Monk, E-D-M-O-N-K, at AOL.com. Yeah, I've still got AOL. Deal with it. And my phone number, my cell is 870-273-1113. Um, if I can come talk to you, your organization, your school, your church, your law enforcement agency, or you just have a question you think I can answer, uh, please contact me. That is fantastic. Um, One more quick question, <laughs> because I'm thinking of all the schools here in Arizona that we're trying to reach out to and, and talk to them about Faster Saves Lives, because the AZCDL Foundation is trying to bring Faster Saves Lives to Arizona. Uh, it's been great. working in Ohio for a lot of years. And it's hard to bust through that barrier. We we are having more success with churches, but when you go to a school, is it the school themselves that have realized, hey, we have a problem and we we want an Ed Monk to come teach us? Or how does that come into play? The good ones do. I, I worked with a private school in Washington state of all places where a young uh, superintendent, she, um, she said, listen, I've I've listened to everything the government's told me, everything you know, I found online, none of it made sense to me. And then I found some of your work online. And so she contacted me and she was all about my, my kids and my faculty are going to be as safe as I can possibly make them. Not we're going to download some plan we found on the internet, punch holes in it and put it in tab D of our safety thing so we can pass the state test. When we get back. Right. But sometimes I get the schools. It's like, Hey, we're required to have active shooter training once a year. Uh, we heard your name, come do it. It's just a check the block thing, unfortunately. Mm. But again, not 99 probably percent of schools, public schools are not going to have armed staff. Mm. Uh, don't agree with it, but it's the way it is. So I, there are still things we can do to keep the victim count a lot lower than packing everybody in the corner of the classroom, which is what yeah. I was told to do when I was a teacher, or yeah. get under the tables or do the other stuff that, again, not only won't help, but it's actually making the killer's job easier. We should not be an accessory to our own murder. Absolutely. And that's what a lot of victims are doing at schools, unfortunately. 
All All right. right. Ed Monk, thank you so much. We will definitely be talking to you again soon. And thank you for all that you do. Thank you all for having me on. I'd love to come to Arizona. Yes. Uh Come on out. We'll make that happen. (laughs) Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, you know, we have an election. Well, we had an election. It's already past the time of the election, but right when this show airs, right but, now we're in the studio on Wednesday, October twenty sixth of twenty twenty two. But it will air after uh, the twenty twenty two election. Right. Um, so I yes, just you're right. You know, t- 10, 15 years ago, school board, we we didn't even mess with that. We it was know. just like you no just idea. checked whatever box. It doesn't matter. Yeah. <clears throat> but look what that got us. Yeah. Look what we have as school board all over the country. Well, we, have, we know now. Right. We are held accountable so, for what we know. So we now know we're now. seeing, you know, that's just as important or maybe more important than some of the other things we vote for. Well, it, it, and, it is all important, but you are so right. Yeah. It's not one of those, well, I don't know. I'm sure somebody good will show up and do good things. Um, we've learned too much now to, right. to leave it to that. But we do need to run and blast out of here. Uh, thank you so much to Ed Monk uh, for all that he gave to us. What a gift right. of knowledge we just got today. I'm I'm so excited about that conversation. And I do want to bring Ed to Arizona and talk um, to a lot of organizations that yeah. I have on my mind about how we can do things better um, and really hold them accountable. Like now that we've educated you, now you're responsible right. For what you've learned. Uh, thank you to our awesome listeners all over the globe. We value your time. Uh, it is your most finite commodity. And when you spend it with us, we notice it and we value that. Um, if you would like to go back and, and watch any portion of this show, uh, you can go to any of the online video uh, databases or, or websites that are out there. YouTube is doing its best to kick us off. We have two strikes as we sit here uh, that they will not wipe away. And if we get one more strike, which um, is very possible because the strikes we've gotten are from, you know, a year and a half, two years ago, shows that we've posted. It's not like they come and say, hey, listen, we're not real happy about this content. Uh, Would you remove it and give us that opportunity? I believe we would say no, because what are we? We are gun freedom radio, right? We value our freedom to say, you know, what we say and our guests to say what they say. Nobody's making threats or, you know, there's no, it's just a Well, you just blew it because now you've told the whole world that YouTube may pull or plug. So what are they going to do? They're going to pull, they're going to pull a plug. So, you know, we are not an opinion station. Well, what we do is we, we, we interview people to, to find out what's going on in the world right and they have an opinion that they're sharing right right and so when they say from their area of expertise isn't youtube all about opinions like i would have thought i don't i don't know why why we are in the place we are right now but at any rate we are it's unfortunate uh we have just started a rumble account so if you would look up gun freedom radio on rumble and subscribe there that would probably be our our best home for our videos we're on GunStreamer as well but there's a little bit of a functionality issue we're dealing with right now um getting our our product to post our videos to post we're struggling with a little bit so we're in a little bit of a transition period kind of like the rest of the nation 
But uh, I would suggest people go to Rumble or to um, OpsLens, the smartphone app. Our stuff still gets posted there. Um, but our audio, if you're like on a long drive, looking at the beautiful leaves changing, or you're mowing the grass, as Ed talked to us With scissors. About, with scissors, right? Um, but uh, you just want to listen to the audio-only version, go to gunfreedomradio.com, click the on-demand tab, and what are they going to do, Dan? We're going to binge, listen to our heart's content, darling. darling. And uh, John Petrolino is uh, a good friend who is a, a journalist, and he he enjoyed, when we were in Texas, we saw him, and every time I passed him in the hall, he's like, darling. And that's your thing. I never said darling. That was you. I did something. Yes, you did something. Anyway, um, and if you want to see the bios and links and works of all the guests that we've ever had on, there's a tremendous resource on our webpage. You just go to gunfreedomradio.com, click the guest tab. And just when you spend time there perusing the amazing subject matter experts that we've been blessed to interview on this show uh, you know, we don't hate it when you spend time doing that. Right. And I think that it's it's time well spent yeah, because you'll learn a tab that says something about following or whatever. Yes, please follow, subscribe, uh, hit the notifications button every time you get a chance to because uh send us a million dollars. <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> that would be something. We would definitely or, do that well. How about this? Either send us a million dollars or click the, the tab. subscribe, right? Subscribe. I love it. Well, that's one a of the great two choice and just give us a call if you want to know where to send a check <laughs> for the money that's fantastic all right well until next time um pray for our nation yes pray for the people who are in leadership positions yes and especially the ones that might get boosted out yes <laughs> all of them Dan. every single one of them every single one of them maybe especially the ones that you don't particularly like too much there's got to be one or two of those well there's a good you know there's there. a good way to say how you don't like somebody at the voting box? yes right yeah. it's harmless it only affects one person well it affects a lot of people really because if you vote the wrong people in it affects the whole world yeah. but anyway don't do that make an vote. informed educated vote yeah. please yeah. every single time all right until next time be good to each other have a great week and god bless, god bless. bye-bye